And we are live. We are here. It is the Chosen Life Podcast. I am your host, the Chosen Lawyer. And today on our episode, we have a very, very special guest, somebody I know quite well. Her name is Jessica Ragamuff, and she is a realtor. She is a dancer. She is styles, and she is quite, quite uh, the influencer on social media, very well known for her Instagram and TikTok accounts. So Jessica, thank you for joining us today on the Chosen Life podcast. Jay, thank you so much for having me and all those kind words. I'm happy that we're doing this. So part of, you know, our uh, mandate here on the Chosen Life podcast, we want to bring all sorts of interesting topics to the masses and want to bring happiness, spread positivity and teach at the same time. So today's episode, we're focusing a lot on style and bringing style back to the world. You know, it's cold where we are, other parts of the world, it's really, really warm. But regardless of what you're wearing, what weather is, you need to be styling all the time because it's all about style and profile. <laughs> So to start on profile today, one of the things that uh, Jess and I have a common love of is shoes. So we're going to jump into topic number one right away. And today's debate it. is going to be Jordan. Oh, we're debating. <laughs> where we're debating, we're discussing, we're figuring this out. We're helping people here. We're helping because between you and I, if we can figure this out, I think that everybody else can go along with this and this will work really, really well. So, so. As you know, I, when we talked about it, one of the things when we first met, we talked about was I love sneakers. You know, I'm an yeah. avid sneakerhead, and I specifically collect Jordan 1s. That's what people know me as I'm wearing, the high-top OG Jordans. So for people out there thinking about sneakers, especially of the female persuasion, is there's often a debate. Am I going with the Jordan 1s or am I going with heels? So that is our discussion to start off topic number one. Okay, would you like me to start or would you like to please. begin? No, please, you're the guest. <laughs> you lead the way. It's a tough question. I mean, I think for me, the most important thing is where am I going, right? So um, am I going to a meeting? Am I going to go run errands? So I would say sneakers for the most part for me. I'm all about comfort. For me, comfort is most important, right? Like imagine you're walking in heels, I don't know, for half an hour. At that point, you start like, oh, my feet are hurting. I don't know if you've seen like after a night out, you know, girls are like walking and they can't walk properly. Their feet are killing. So for me, comfort is important. However, if I'm attending um, an important function where I have a meeting and I'm, you know, touching on a very important topic, heels for me are everything because they make me, I don't know what it is about heels, but once you put them on, you feel like a brand new person. Jay, you probably have never tried heels on, but it's, it's, <laughs> get out of here. Uh, it's a different kind of energy that you start to feel when you have heels on. So when it pertains to work or some sort of important function, I love wearing heels paired with a great outfit. Um, but when we're talking about, you know, some sort of sporting event, or if I'm just going to go run errands. I love sneakers. And ever since I was little, my mom used to always ask me like, why do you have so many? They all look the same. And I'm like, but they're not the same. <laughs> they have to match with this outfit. And with all of my gym outfits, I had a pair of sneakers to match those. So I can't choose one or the other. It really just depends where I'm going. But I know, I know what you're going to get to. <laughs> you have an idea where I'm going with it. And I'm going to, all right. So 
here's where the, the topics usually when I come up with these for the Chosen Life podcast, it's something that has happened in my life or something I've interacted with. And I'm thinking, why is this the case? You know, and back in the day when we still had the Jordan store, you know, that was great down by the uh, Eden Center in Toronto. We had this, we, we were one of the few people, few countries in the world in cities that had Jordan stores. We had a dedicated Jordan store. So I used to go there all the time. Now I think it's a giant footlocker. But anyways, I'm there talking with the staff. They got to know me as I came in all the time. And um, I kept asking them about, you know, men's versus women's fashions, you know. And one of the things I was noticing was they would make specific women's line of, of sneakers, you know. And they don't, they weren't selling. And I, and I asked them, like, why is this not selling? It's such a cool mm -hmm. colorway and it's such a this. And the staff, men and women always told me the same thing. They're like, women don't want women style sneakers they want the good stuff they want the cool stuff they want the retro stuff they don't want to be having that they're the, the men have the cool stuff and the women have like the women only stuff it's not working for them so yeah. that's why the the woman exclusive line wasn't selling and that's why they went to you know uh having it as far as uh, an all-encompassing so really you think of it as a unix unisex sneaker and at some point they started putting on the box the woman equivalent size and the man equivalent size and then they started coming out with women's exclusive only lines in the unisex line that was geared towards women and had the women's sizing but had the men's sizing as well i'm going to give you an example mm -hmm. i brought props today <laughs> oh all right let's see these bad boys this is one of the hardest women's sneakers to obtain this is the jordan one women's blue chills they all have code names so if you're going to be with this you have to know the code name so this is the blue chill it's in patent leather it, as you can tell the blue chill color this so i'm a size 10 in men which means an 11 and a half in women mm -hmm. um most popular women's sizing in shoes i was told for women is about a seven to an eight give or take six to an eight and then some some go to kid sizes and some are bigger. So, yeah, like I, I've met women that are size three and a half kids, size four. What size would you take in a Jordan sneaker? I haven't put on a Jordan sneaker in a long time, but I have some shoes that vary from like six to seven. It really depends. And when it's on the lower end, mm -hmm. I'll just buy the kid sizes. Sometimes they have really, really, really great sneakers, too. So it just depends. So 11 and a half, not the most popular size on the planet from the woman's sizing, but it, it is out there and some mm -hmm. women wear it all by all means because everybody comes in different shape sizes, all good. Right. So Jordan right. accommodates pretty much everybody. They have up to a man's fifth, a size 15 sneaker, but there's men's size five, which is a kid size. So that's okay too. Mm -hmm. So from that end of it, this was not easy to obtain. And my understanding was it was not even available in Canada at this sizing because in the U.S., they have a much bigger population base and they have just much more uh, product to, to push. So Canada, we get a little bit more of a limited sizing run. So this mm -hmm. I understood was only available in the U.S., but I was able to obtain it. But this is a woman's sneaker. I rock this. I love this. I have no issue with that because it's unisex and it's all love and it's all sneakers. But obviously the Nike people and the Jordan people thought of it enough that they said, you know what, uh, we got to, uh, we got to, we got to get make sneakers for everybody and what people are actually asking for so my point is this woman has to go to a uh, business meeting and she's rocking her blazer and she's rocking her uh, pantsuit you know what I think they make a Jordan for pretty much 
any occasion, they make the, uh, the, the pattern, they can make it in, in different colorways. So almost you can coordinate to any outfit. So I think almost heels could be extinct at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say everyone would agree with that. But as you were saying that, I was just envisioning like a woman wearing like a white blazer, some white dress pants and like a kick-ass pair of sneakers. And that could work. It really could. I think I think our culture around that and professionalism is changing a little bit, not entirely. So I think at the end of the day, it really depends on where it is that you're working and, um, you know, what's acceptable in that space. But now you're giving me ideas. <laughs> so let me reconsider that. If you go back to look at the archives, I've heard of this woman named Kamala Harris. And pretty popular. And when she was rocking uh, her style as a... Uh, She's up in uh, politics. Uh, she's known for her Converse. <laughs> so she's wearing Converse with her suits and she's meeting world leaders. So if it's good enough for Kamala, it's good enough for us. That's how I kind of look at it. I guess we're switching things up. <laughs> no, but uh, on, on that token, um, when you and I were talking, you got a recent photo shoot and we were having, whenever I have a guest that's going to come on, we kind of talk ahead of time and talking about debating on uh, what topics we'll end up going with. It's something that, you know, somebody has to be comfortable with, interested in. But something relevant that people, you know, it will, they'll gravitate to it. And I know everybody loves sneakers and everybody loves heels, you know. And you were telling me the same thing when we first spoke, saying, hey, you know what, if I had a choice, I'm going with the sneakers. But when you had your last photo shoot, it was with heels, right? <laughs> it was. Yeah. Well, now you're now you're changing my perspective around it. I just think with the outfit that I was wearing, the heels were, you know, spitting that outfit more however prior to that photo shoot I was filming and I was wearing sneakers <laughs> once again I comfort for me is so important so um yeah it, it really just depends for me and heels are a powerful a, thing it's a very powerful thing and it's also like you were saying I, I like that whole thing where you're saying about identity like I have the identity knowing that I wear my sneakers people know me as the Jordan one lawyer so that becomes part of my mm. style and it works for me plus I'm also comfortable but from because I'm not a woman, you know, I've only, I only wore heels once. I'll admit it. There's no videos of it out there. Uh, I was in gym <laughs> class, and we had to lip sync to a, uh, a a famous song. And because we had no dancing ability, which we'll talk about that shortly, uh, we got away with it by dressing in drag. And uh, I I wore heels. And I gotta tell you, um, I I I can't think of who invented this. And I'm so sorry to all women out there that have to wear these things. And maybe some of you enjoy it, but. It was the worst afternoon of my life and yeah. my feet were destroyed. And I don't know, um, kudos that you're able to do it. I don't know how, how women pull it off as a man. I think it's like with anything, you get used to it, right? The first time you put them on, you're like, oh my God, this kills. Also, you have to make sure you're finding a pair that's comfortable. Some of them are beautiful, like really high heels. I love high heels, um, but they're just uncomfortable. So they end up being picture heels you know you don't wear them out if you know you're going out dancing you're not going to wear those heels so like with anything it's just you know doing it often and then you get used to it even with my dance heels I have a pair with me here oh you got um, props yeah I have my dance heels with me um and I have so many of them I haven't worn them in so long because of COVID we haven't performed we haven't trained um, but they've just they've been used a lot you can see the heel um it's nothing too crazy but you see got the a heel heels, so you're dancing in heels like I'm barely able to walk in them and you're dancing in them oh it's 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 incredible it, and and you know what I think movement looks very different when you have heels on as well it's a whole new world um it adds to you know 
just who you are as a person when you're wearing them. So I can't live without them, but sometimes I just got to wear my sneakers. Interesting. And I've, and I've, and I've met people in the business uh, community and uh, especially uh, women of power. And, and some have told me that their identity is known as the heels. When they put them on, they just feel majestic. They feel taller. They feel more powerful. And when they put it on, it gives them that, that lift. It gives them that feeling. And that's great. You know, if it's, somebody's doing it for themselves, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, it's amazing how style can also change your persona and change your outlook on life. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure, and, and you can touch on this, when you put on your sneakers, I'm sure there's something that you feel, right? Like, it just makes you feel a certain way. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how did you get your hands on those sneakers? You said it was really hard to get them. You had some hookups? Oh, there's always <laughs> got to be a hookup at the end of the day. It's not easy. And, and, and the game has changed a lot. There are online providers for, uh, for Jordans and for sneakers in general. And some of them are really good because, you know, you get them verified. I remember I bought one pair and they got canceled because they got, they get shipped first. Whether you're using GOAT, StockX, eBay, whatever you're using, it got shipped okay. over. It got verified. It was disqualified. It was not real. So I got refunded back. So I had to read oh, no. it again. Um, I've gone to sneaker conventions, uh, sneaker con, you know, they have them in Toronto, New York, all, all over the world, you know. And uh, I've been to sneaker con and there's a verification line. So like when you go to buy your shoes, you, you can tell you, the dealer will let you go over to the verification line. You go into the verification line. You got the experts there. They're making sure wow. it's real or not. But otherwise you start going to something like Kijiji, for example, there are so many fakes out there and oh, yeah. the fakes are so, so, so good. And um, it's come to the point now, fakes are going for the same price as retail. So let's say retail is like 235 plus tax, whatever. Uh, the fakes are going for 235. It's insane because the real one wow. is going for like a thousand bucks, depending on what it is. Like some of them go below retail. Not all of them are popular, yeah. but it's amazing where that whole game has gone. And you have such an audience because you have, you have kids as young as like five wearing them. You have like mm -hmm. people in their fifties and sixties wearing them. You have men, women, doesn't matter your sex, color, race, religion. It don't matter. We can all bond together over our love of kicks and sneakers, you know? So uh, getting something that's U.S. exclusive, your only hopes of are either going to the States, uh, having mm -hmm. a hookup in the States, or really just ordering them online. And uh, Kijiji, I mean, there are people that sell authentic as well. You ask them for the receipt. You have to get a kind of a feeling. You look at their ratings. But it's, it's, it's a very crazy game out there. And I feel really bad because some people go spend their hard-earned money and they buy something very exclusive and, uh, and they find out it's fake afterwards. And, and you know, you, even though it looks really great, you want the real thing. You know, you hear people mm -hmm. that like have their, their, their kicks stolen in school, you know, when people are going out. Oh, the worst. That's terrible. Like kids walking home barefoot, somebody stole their, 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 their uh, shoes when they saved up all their money to get it. You know, you don't want to see stuff like that, obviously. Uh, where it was really an eye opener for me was uh, you. Uh, I don't know if you heard of uh, Virgil uh, from Off White, and uh, he was the lead designer for LV. He passed away recently. Really well known guy in the uh, fashion community, and mm -hmm. uh, he when he partnered up with Jordan, he made a collab, and they had their Off White Jordan ones. And mm -hmm. the main one, the first one he came out with was with the Chicago one, the red white one. Those are going like insane money. Like those are just. What are we talking? Five grand easily. Like you're paying. Wow. Like it's just in another world. So I bought a pair of them. 
Uh, not the Chicago's. They had the uh, UNC colorways, the blue and white. I got them. I got them for close to retail. I bought them online. I bought them before they were even released. It just people weren't sure where they were going with them. And I, I got them around retail. And I remember wearing them down the streets of Toronto. They hadn't even released yet. People were stopping their cars on the street on Young Street and asking me about the shoes, taking pictures of me. And I said, and this is like, <laughs> we're talking like easily two years ago. And I'm like, this is nuts. This is another, another level. And that's the point of where sneakers have and they brought into our culture. And it's no longer, you know, just a basketball shoe that a kid wears, you know, going to grade eight, going to high school. You have people of all kinds and all levels. Like I'm, I rock them with suits. I, I'm going to a business meeting. I'm going to a wedding, whatever. If I was going to go meet Putin, I'm wearing my Jordan ones. <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. Like, that's just my style. And that's where I'm going with it. But you know, especially for the women that are listening and making their decisions. You know, I wanted to bring on the most stylish woman I know as far as from the business world of how she does it, because I know it's a big, big choice. Yeah, it is. Well, now I'm going to change all my outfits. I'll be thinking of you when I got my uh, my suits on. I'll be putting on a pair of sneakers. <laughs> if, you're, if you're curious, because I know you're a big uh, influencer in the uh, TikTok and Instagram world. Go check how some of the Instagram influencers, uh, they're, they're sporting their uh, kicks with their outfits, with skirts, dresses. It's incredible where the fashion world's gone. So uh, I'm glad I was able to provide you some stylish value today. Always. I mean, that's how we connected, right? I remember you started talking about your sneakers. I was like, yes, yes, more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so on that note, you know, we are talking now about spoken words. And it's a really good segue to our next topic. Totally from left field now, books. <laughs> so one of the right. things that I was interested, in, I was trolling around on Jess's Instagram page as I was figuring out, you know, how we're going to go about with our discussion today. And I noticed Jess does something very interesting uh, that very few people do anymore. Number one, it's called reading. And number two, and I'm not talking about posts on Instagram. I'm not talking about like magazine clips. I'm talking like these things called books. You know, these, there was people, there was this breed of people back in the dinosaur days named authors. And these authors went and they wrote out stories and they published them on, on paper, which came from trees. It got binded together and it was called a book. And he went to a bookstore or a library where they rented you these books. And you actually read stories, full stories, not like little clips and snippets, like an actual thing. And it was quite a fascinating thing back in the day. You know, uh, people go check out in the museums to learn about this. So, because you know what, since the, since the invention of the computer and, and cell phones, you know, reading is just, it's, it's become a lost art, unfortunately. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that when I was a kid, I used to read like a book a day. Like I'd go to the library, go get seven books, read a book a day. It was a big thing for me and my family. I loved writing. I loved the idea of being an author. And then when I was looking at your page. I thought to myself, wow this girl goes and gets books and she's reading books, hard copy books. What's the deal with this? So yes, in today's world, is there still a thing? Is there a need for physical books? Yeah, there absolutely is. And it's funny, you're making me think like when people refer, you know, uh, an author or someone, you know, someone's work that I should be reading, they're like, oh, you can buy it on Amazon. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Indigo and I'll literally just drive out there to buy it. Um, even though I grew up in the age of technology, I've never really been drawn to it. It has facilitated my life a lot, but there's something so special about getting a physical copy of a book. Maybe it's because that's all 
I really knew in school. I mean, um, I'm going to age myself, but essentially when I was in school, we were still um, learning through physical books, right? So that for me became like first nature. And then when we got into high school, end of high school, we started using computers more often. Um, but I think there's really power in, in having a book in front of you. For me, it's really important to be able to highlight and take notes when I'm reading. So when I'm reading, it's not just to, to pass time. I often read to gain some sort of knowledge and to be able to take that and use that in some sort of aspect of my life, right? So um, if you look through my books, whether it's books that I read when I was in university or even the books that I'm reading right now, you'll see they're highlighted, there's notes everywhere. I like referring back to my books and I also like it because one, um, I'm taking out the important information that I found at the time that I read it, but it also helps me understand kind of where my mindset was at years ago when I was reading the book. So I was actually going through a few of my books as I was moving and there was a book that I read when I lived in Switzerland and it was called The Mindful Way Through Anxiety. And what I loved about that book is embedded within each chapter were a set of questions and tasks we had to do. So not only was I reading, but I was taking action as I was reading. And when I was flipping through the pages, I even saw the notes that I took and the answers that I wrote. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like this has changed or this is still happening in my life. So um, there's just power in reading a book and being able to take out the information and then using that information wherever you're going. I get easily distracted when I'm on the computer. Um, there's so many things going on at once. You know, we're all trying to multitask. So when I'm reading, I'm really trying to focus on that thing that I'm reading, whether it's for 10 minutes, whether it's for, I don't know, an hour, just so that I'm not distracted by anything else. So yeah, if you ask me, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of reading physical books. And I also love Indigo. Something about the atmosphere there is really inviting to me. So that to me becomes like my me time. You know, I go and browse. I see a few other things that I like. I pick up a book. I'm able to browse through a few of them. And then I just purchase them. So, yeah. I love it. And you, uh, you brought us a, a sample today, right? I have a few books here. Yeah, not all of them are with okay. me. But, okay, so the book that I spoke about, The Mindful Way Through Anxiety. Phenomenal yeah. book, by the way, if people haven't read it. I think Beautiful looking a book. lot of us... <laughs> It's a little ripped up. Um, a lot of us struggle with anxiety. That's something that I've dealt with for a long time. Uh, I, re I realized what was triggering it. There were a number of things. One of them being the food that I was eating, which mm. is crazy if you think about it. And after oh. I stopped eating dairy and gluten and a number of other um, items, I noticed I wasn't anxious, but it was only a month later. I was like, my life hasn't changed. My workload hasn't changed, but I'm not as anxious as I used to be. So back to this book, um, I'm going to flip through a few pages. I have notes everywhere and I highlight my book. So even here, so um, the page was essentially talking about the things to keep in mind when practicing mindfulness. And I wrote down what are the things that give me anxiety. So like you Please. see my notes over oh, here. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this was back in 2016. I was living there. Okay. And for me, I wrote, this hasn't changed. Waiting for people when they are late and time. So uh, punctuality. So time for me is my best friend, but my worst enemy. I'm very time oriented. Like I, I time block. If you look at my calendar, everything's put in there. But right. also because I'm so focused on time, I rush through it. So say theoretically speaking right now, it's 1.30, right? 
I know I have an appointment at 2.30. I'm gonna like think about that time from 1.30 to 2.30 so much that I'm rushing through it. So I've seen myself do this often. Say for example, it's 1.23. 1.23 is closer to 1.20. I start thinking, oh my God, it's 1.30. I have to rush, I have to go do things. So um, that's something I've been working on. But I, I like this because I'm able to reflect back on it and I'm able to pull out the important information, especially when I'm reading things that um, information that's not familiar to me, right? I make my own notes the way I understand it and I simplify it. Interesting, interesting. Well, I love this. And uh, this is the one that we agreed we are going to debate on. <laughs> Sneakers and heels, we, we, love, we, we, love, we love fashion. This is all good love, you know, and that part, you know, was more just uh, steering people style-wise and where they can start thinking of. Books is an organization. Productivity is a very big passion of mine. And just seeing the fact that you love reading and you're putting time into it and looking at subject matters that are helping you and helping yourself, which will then allow you to help others even better. Because how can you help others? You can't help yourself, right? I love this Mm -hmm. self-improvement. I'm a big, big proponent of. So I say, amen. Yes. All day long for sure. Now, when I'm watching this, (laughs) I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to take this and I'm going to take it to yet another level. And here it goes. Hear it. So as we know, I, I practice law, chosen lawyer. So it's kind of in the underling. I promise not to talk too much business because this is a cultural lifestyle podcast and whatever you want to slice and dice it. But at the end of the day, our work lives, our personal lives do kind of go hand in hand. So this is where my thinking goes. So as a lawyer, a lot, I was doing a lot of leases. I still do a lot of lease work for people. So people rent a space and they hand me this uh, giant uh, 50 page document and I need to review blah, blah, blah. So the way it was done in the old days until very recently, I would print it off. I would mark it up, send it back, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Amazing. Except for the fact, okay, so I am now in another office and that physical copy is sitting over there. Problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. I make my hand notes. I, I have doctor style handwriting. Not many people can read it. I can read it, but nobody else really can. That's a problem. And it kind of goes on and on like that. And then we start scanning it back to each other and it got worse and worse. But I said, I need that physical copy. I want to hold that physical lease. I need it. That was a crutch and it was time to change. And my thinking was like this, I'm going to force myself to change and evolve. So how I did it was I'm going to go on the dual monitor system. So I'm going to pull up the lease and I'm going to put it on one screen and I'm going to do my edits on another screen and with my notes and stuff. And then what happens is I save it virtually. So anywhere I'm in the world, I'm in Panama and you call me up. You're like, hey, let's talk about the lease. There we go. I got it. I found it. And we can go through it the same way. And then I started thinking to myself, this is how I want to function all part of my life. Then back to the Panama example, I bring a book. I'm going to be on the beach. You know what? And besides pina coladas and uh you know dancing on on the beach i want to read and relax a little bit and i'm reading this book the same way you just brought that and i love that book that book is sitting in my backpack everything and i'm like oh i really wish i brought this other book and i love that book but damn i left Mm -hmm. that book on my nightstand at home what am i gonna do wouldn't it be great if that book was available to me now at all times so i finally bit the bullet myself and i went to the uh, kindle roots Okay. And I said, it's not going to work for me. And I, I said all the same stuff as far as how people said, like, you know, as far as distractions. And that's where I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go the iPad route. I'm going to go on a dedicated e-reader route. 
and I'm just going to be able to view it on e-readers and it's going to be and in the beginning it was really really hard I love the idea of turning the pages and the way it's yeah. versus versus the reader but then I'm like wow the reader is so light instead of lugging the book you know and right. I can have 10 books with me at once and I can read them in anywhere I want because I all I gotta do is bring the Kindle so mm -hmm. from a portability standpoint from an ease to use uh, I make my notes and let's say I was reading three different books. I'm like, I remember I wrote myself a note. All I got to type is the note that I remember. It'll find it for me. You know, that searchability function of it. So where are you writing the notes? You can, as you're you, reading, you can, pop, you can, as you're reading, you're like, you can pop a thing, type yourself a comment. Oh, and nice. A comment sticky sitting over there. Nice. And okay. you can do a search and be able to find anything you wrote at any point. Like, for example, like, um, I stopped using sticky notes a long time ago. So I use Evernote. I love Evernote because Evernote's like my collection of sticky. So any, like, for example, if you and I talk about salsa dancing, okay, we're gonna go salsa dancing, <laughs> you know, I'm, I go into Evernote, I just type in salsa. It'll tell me every note I've ever written on salsa rather than, you know, I'm going through my drawers, I'm going through everything and trying right. to find the, those sticky notes. So that's why I went to the e-reader route and I was a big proponent. I still love the look of, of books and, and everything. So I was like, that's why I was fascinated. I'm like, I felt like I was one of the last ones. And I, and then I'm like, no, there's still people who are caring strong the physical books. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what? I, I've joined like the, the audiobook side of things. And so what I'll sometimes do is I'll get the audiobook and I'll also oh. get the physical book. Yes. And I think certain things resonate differently when you're reading, when you're listening. Um, so I'll play the book when I'm driving. Yes. And then perhaps I'll read it afterwards or before. It really depends. I'm okay. I love getting any sort of knowledge. Yes. So whether it's before or after, it's different. But the e-readers, I can't do it. I can't. It reminds me too much of a cell phone. And for yes. me, I don't know. There's just, it, there's too much distraction. Like even on my phone, um, I turn off my notifications yes. and yes. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. When, when I'm on my computer, please, all notifications, because I'm in a space where I'm working. Yes. Whereas on my phone, I sometimes, you know, I'm on my phone because I'm speaking to a family member and I don't want to get all these distractions. So that's the way I feel with anything uh, pertaining to like technology and reading. But I may be wrong. I've honestly never tried it. I've never had an interest in it. So I'll stick my route. However, I do see the value in, in getting an e-reader. You did make a good point you know, if you're out of the country and one day you're in the mood for one book and then the other day you're, you're in the mood for the other, you can access it so easily. And I have struggled where like I take all my books and I'm carrying them in my purse and it gets really heavy. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> then, you gotta, then you gotta skip gym days because you pulled your back, you pulled your shoulder from carrying the books. No, I hear you. Can you imagine? Hey, how did you hurt yourself? Oh, I had uh, three books in my purse. <laughs> and, and I'm yeah. Sure I'm sure it happens, and it's sure, uh, the thing is, and I, I I tried different variations as well, and I do I do still have some physical books because I, one of the things I, I walk into my home office, I love the look of my book collection. I only have like seven of them, <laughs> but you know it's funny. I, all these books I've had all over the years, but I donated a lot of books to libraries and I, I gave them away because I didn't want to keep them anymore because I just felt like there was clutter. But there's few mm -hmm. strategic ones like that that resonate with me. I like the look of it, and I, I think there's still prestige level. Of looking at a physical book so I am going to agree with you on that end of it that number one as far as from the looks it's one thing I don't like when I'm seeing clutter for no reason I hate mm -hmm. when I see books on floors I see torn books and they're all over the place I feel they're like it's just they're just it's just chaos there's no need for that but if you have a beautiful collection of them 
and they're bound nicely, by all means, all day long, go ahead, you know, have your books. And there is still value in, in flipping in it. Like if you are going to do that, you know, and I, I still have some, I enjoy it. But it's funny how like I, 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 I got rid of the iPad because I found with the iPad specifically, it was no different than having a giant iPhone. Like it's all, the yeah. temptation is too much there. You turn on the notification, mm-hmm. even if you turn off certain things, they still pop up to you. The screen is so beautiful. You know what? I might as well just go on some YouTube while I'm doing this, you know, catch some old episodes mm. of The Chosen Life, you know, whatever I'm going to do, but read. But the, when you bring the, the e-reader, the Kindle, for example, or there are a bunch of other ones, it's funny how they look almost like a physical book now. Like when you're turning the pages, they make it so minimally of a, of a, of a reader that it's purpose because it also, I, my understanding is with the lighting and everything else, so it doesn't damage your eyes the same way mm. it would with electronic devices. So like I, I use it at night. I'll read over certain things. I'll, I'll have a certain book I'm into. And I feel like it's almost like a, just a thin physical book. Like, a, like when you, when, like a paperback, it almost looks like a paperback. So exactly. it's amazing technology. So if you're watching this episode and you know Jess <laughs> and you love Jess, you like Jess, you anything at all, you know Jess, if it's her birthday, if it's a special <laughs> occasion, let's get her onto an e-reader. Let's see. And then we'll bring her back in a year and see if she's still onto the physical books or not. <laughs> I don't know about that. Can I tell you a little secret? My laptop is right now resting on four massive real estate books. <laughs> My stand is in the office. I was like, oh, great. So you see, it serves another purpose. But no, I'm more than happy to try new things. I think if we don't try, we don't know. Um, so I'll take you up on that offer. My birthday's in August, Jay. <laughs> oh boy. So we got, we know we got, we know we already got kicks. We got e-readers. Um, the, the list is growing as the minute goes. So We've covered off these items and then we're going to segue now into topic number three. So we've already established now that, you know, there's different levels of kicks. There's different levels of books that we can read and how we're going to read them uh, from the style cultural aspect um, on a personal note. Now, this is kind of this third topic is a cry for help, Jess. It's oh. how, <laughs> how do we learn how to dance? So uh, I'm, I'm a male, admittedly. Um, and one of the things from my end, and there are a lot of males that are really great dancers out there. And there's some that aren't same thing as women, you know, it doesn't matter your, your, uh, your sex, your culture, your race, religion, you're either born as a dancer or not, you know, and I love music and I love going to people's events, you know, weddings, bar mitzvahs, you know, whatever galas. And I do the shuffle, you know, that's what I got. I got the shuffle. <laughs> and sometimes you got the arms with the shuffle. I call it the white man shuffle. And you know, you white guys, you're laughing at this right now, but like, it's like, it's like this, you know, and it's just, no matter how old you are, you do the shuffle or not. Sometimes your arms are involved with it. Sometimes it's side to side. Sometimes it's front and back. That's for some reason, the music we hear, it's right away. The shuffle goes, get us out of the shuffle, Jess. Please help people bring dance to the world. You know, there's been break dancing, there's salsa dancing, there's the macarena, there's the uh, the chicken dance. You know, like, but in all seriousness, <laughs> like, I've go, I've gone to clubs. You know, I sip on my ginger ale and I'm watching people and they're fantastic dancers. And I'm so envious. And I'm saying, why can't I dance like that? Why can't I have these gifts, please? So, Jess, how did you become a dancer? What's the secret? Were you born with this? And help people dance. Let's bring dancing back to society again. Oh, my heart. And this warms my heart talking about it. Yeah. Dance has played a really, really, really big role in my life and who I've become, uh, the people in my circle. So very thankful. Um, A little story. When I was four years old, 
I told my parents I wanted to be a figure skater. So, you know, they're like, okay, great. Yeah, let's go sign you up. And, you know, my parents were new to the country. They didn't really know much and there weren't really many connections. So they went to go, they found a place. I don't remember where it was. We were previously living in North York. And my parents came to me. They're like, just, you know what? Unfortunately, all the classes are booked up. And before I can even let them finish, I started crying. I was like, no, this is my dream. I was four years old. I don't know what I was thinking. And how old were you um, roughly? How old were you roughly? Four. I was four. 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 Like, okay. how, do I, how do I know what I want when I'm four years old? And so they're like, wait, but hold on. We'll offer an alternative. Um, how about we sign you up for dance classes in the meantime? And then once something opens up, then we'll be more than happy to get you in figure skating classes. Because essentially, you know, it's, it, it's an art form where there's a lot of movement involved, right? You're on skates. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, cool. Let's do it. So my parents signed me up to ballet classes. Mm -hmm. I remember it was by Young and Steels. And I jumped in. I don't remember how I was when I was younger, like the music would turn on. But I remember when I was in the classes, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with my dance teachers. I would look at them like they were God. Like I was like, oh my God, you're so amazing, please. So I started uh, doing ballet when I was four. Wow. And then I just fell in love and I never brought up figure skating to my parents ever again. Yeah. Um, I really loved what I was doing. My teachers were phenomenal, my studios. And I kind of just jumped around from year to year. Um, there's not one style that I specialized in. Um, I was very versatile, we can say, and I just loved everything. Once again, we go back to learning. I love learning. And I was like, oh, let me try all these styles and see which one works best for me. Right. And growing up, we went, um, we traveled a lot, my family and I, and we went to the Dominican Republic, to Cuba, to Mexico. So when we were on vacation, we were always dancing as well. Right. So when I thought of dance, I thought of good, happy moments. And that's where it all started. And when I was in grade 12, I essentially graduated from my dance school. Mind you, one of the owner of that studio, um, that I stayed with the longest. She's a fitness instructor at the oh. gym that I go to. So I used to take classes with her when I was little. And then now my mom takes fitness classes with her at the studio. So it's it's wonderful. It's lovely. Small world. Um, it's a small world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So just taking lessons often. And then I remember when I was 19, I started going salsa dancing on Thursdays. I don't know how you knew that. Uh, in Yorkville at Babalu. Are you familiar with Babalu? I've heard of Babalu, yes. Yeah, so every Thursday I was there. And that's where I really learned the importance of letting go and allowing someone to lead. Because when you're social dancing, whether it's salsa or anything, bachata, um, you really have to just get into the groove, listen to the music and allow someone to guide you. So that's when I kind of got out of the whole studio, learn choreography type of environment to free flowing, natural um, type of movement and dancing. So hearing this, you know, I'm getting inspired. I'm thinking to myself, I'd love to go take lessons, love to learn, you know, and I'm sure other people hearing this thing. And uh, if you ever check out on uh, Jess's uh, social media, there are clips of her dancing out there. It's world-class uh, yeah. level. So you watching that, you should be inspired to want to do that yourself for sure. So anybody of any level age right now, listen to this saying, uh, I hear you, Jess. So I'm going to level with you. I got no talent. I got the drive, but I got zero talent. Where the heck do I begin? Yeah, so first of all, I'm sure I'm sure you've got the talent. You've maybe just never explored it, right? I've been dancing my whole life. So for me, it's first nature. You said you do the shuffle. So I assume you've got some rhythm. 
And if you don't, I mean, when you're looking for a studio or an instructor to teach you, I think that's one of the most um, important parts of learning how to dance is getting that foundation. One, mm -hmm. learning music and what it's telling you. And um, two, being able to take that and, the, and then add movement to that. So I would say learn the, the basics. The basics will literally take you anywhere. As long as you've got the basics down pat, you're good to go. So um, get in touch with an instructor. A lot of classes are happening online. So grab a few friends, you know, get a space, whether it's in your living room, I don't know, in your basement and start taking classes. And it, it, I'll be honest with you, it'll feel very awkward when you begin. You're like, wow, what am I doing? What's my body doing? And once you do it consistently, you'll start to actually understand your body. And that's the power of dance. You really get in touch with yourself, with your body in a way that you never have before. Um, so yeah, I would say get started. I'm more than happy to share some, some um, uh, studios or some people that I know. I know, you know, things are closed right now, but there's some phenomenal studios downtown Toronto. Um, I'm up in Vaughan. There's some connections that I have up here as well. So I'm more than happy to share those contacts. And I would say, allow yourself to really feel like a five-year-old kid who's just starting something for the first time. Dance and music are such wonderful things. And the whole point is not to be serious, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, no problem. And I remember when I was teaching Zumba a few years ago, I used to always tell my students, guys, even if this is your first time or your 10th time, you're here for yourself, dance in whatever way it feels good to you, but just make sure you're loving it as you're doing it. So Jay, back to your question, mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to teach you, but I would say start learning the basics, the foundation. And once you get that, you'll be able to take that anywhere. I had um, a friend of mine, her and her partner, they were getting married. They wanted to learn how to dance. And we really focused on the basics for a very long time, because I'm sure when you go, you said you go out to bars or clubs, when I go to Russian restaurants with my parents, everyone's doing the same movements. It's side to side. And it changes because someone lifts an arm or someone starts turning, right? So once you've right. got the basics, you're good to go. Well, I'm loving this. Well, I already have it now. So now we have it out there in the in cyberspace that uh, I'm going to be getting dance uh, lessons instructions. So that's pretty cool. So <laughs> I've, I've already won from today, certainly. We're going to hold you accountable to that. Uh, there's a long list of people to be accountable. <laughs> trust me, That's my, my life is just accountability, pretty much. Um, and, and you brought up a, another point, which I'd like to before I jump to my next point is uh, our names, our handles are underneath. So as people are watching this, and certainly we encourage you, please, that any topic resonated with you. If you have any questions for myself, for Jess, we'll, ha we'll have our handles. Please reach out to us at all. Uh, comment below as far as on the video generally if you have any feedback uh you wanted to share your thoughts you can reach out to either, either of us directly or both of us to say hello thank you if you have any questions that's great and we really appreciate that Jess, you offering uh, your expertise uh, my thinking with the dancing now when you're putting this i'm i have a three-pointer for you so the person mm -hmm. starting off they have the option they can go on youtube on their own and just kind of try to pick it up they can get one-on-one -on -one instruction, they can get an instructor or doing the group class. What do you think of those three approaches for somebody beginning? I really think it depends on what the person is hoping to get out of the experience, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, dance is a very social thing. So for someone who likes to socialize, who likes to uh, feel, you know, 
the experience with other people, I would suggest doing the group classes. If we're talking about salsa, for example, um, even during the group classes, you're still learning the, the basics and the foundation of how you should be stepping. And then when you're doing what we call partner work, now you're dancing with someone. It's wonderful to see some studios. I had one of my best friends, she was uh, dancing at a studio, um, at, it was CDC. And she was saying how at the end of class, they would all take turns dancing with one another. So it wasn't like, you don't need to have a partner or a best friend who's coming to you. And that's the beauty of it is you literally don't need to know anyone. I used to go dancing by myself. I didn't know anyone and I would just meet people. And I think a really wonderful thing about that was because there aren't people that you know, I mean, you may run into someone, but you're not holding yourself to some expectation. Oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. These people are going to watch me. I'm going to screw up. Everyone's in the same in, in the same position. Everyone just wants to learn how to dance. You're laughing. You're laughing at yourself. You're like, oh, what am I doing? And even though I've been dancing since I was four, I still make mistakes when I dance, right? Like on, on stage or when I'm social dancing, I think someone wants me to do one turn and I do another and I just laugh it off. Like it is what it is, right? So once again, if you're looking for the social aspect, I highly recommend the, um, the class uh, option. However, you know, if, if you have some sort of event, you have a wedding coming up and you really need to get things done quickly in a short period of time, um, hire an instructor to teach you, right? And if, if you want to feel a little more comfortable before going into the class, watch a few videos just so you understand, okay, what's the music? And to me, for example, listening to salsa and bachata, there's a difference in the music. Bachata? Bachata or merengue or salsa. Sorry, I butchered that one bad. No, that's okay. That's okay. You you, you rolled up your tongue. I can't do it. It's in Spanish. Or, um, you know, I always ask my students, can you tell what the difference is? And they're like, no, right? So that's the beauty of it is you're learning the difference. You're starting to pick up. You're understanding what the instruments are. So it really, at the end of the day, depends on what it is that you're hoping to get out of the experience. And I think being able to share dance with other people is just such a beautiful thing. I clearly can't stop talking about it. (laughs) Uh, That's okay. That's why, that's why, that's why we are talking about it. And and there are a lot of people out there that do want to dance, do think about it and hearing your words, you know, and your experience of how you went about it, you know, that could inspire somebody to say, you know what, I'm hearing you. That sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe I will jump into it, you know, and maybe I will finally give it a try. And if, if you think of it as like, I love how you said that, like there's no pressure. You can just go and jump into it, choose any method, how you want to do it and go achieve something that you've always wanted to do. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be greed at it. Maybe you'll suck at it forever. That's fine. It does no, it doesn't matter as long as you're enjoying it. But to me, it's a bigger springboard to the greater scheme of life. Because the way you're expressing dancing and how your attitude and how you're connecting with people, I think you'd be a very different person today and how you approach your life that because you had dance in your life versus if dance had never come into your life, you know, and that's amen where, that. what's that? No, I said, amen, like hundred percent, hundred percent. It's uh, when people often ask me, you know, in the business world, in life, you know, uh, I, I work 24 seven, I grind it out. And that's going to make me the most successful person. I tell them, hell no, not at all. You need to be a well-rounded person. You need to find interests that have nothing to do with your job and your career whatsoever and focus on those. Bring your brain to stop worrying about, am I 10 minutes late for an appointment? And when the heck is this next uh, event going to happen in my workplace? Am I ever going to get promoted? No, take that energy and take that anxiety 
put it into something productive and something that you really, really enjoy and focus on it. And it's amazing how the pressure comes off from other aspects of life. You become well-rounded, you're a happier person and putting less effort into work, but good focused effort, you'll even be more productive. That's, that's how I approach it. That's everybody who's ever been successful in life that I've read their autobiography. I've read their story, uh, watch clips on them. They all seem to have well-roundedness in their lives. And Jess, you're a well-rounded person. You got many interests. And hearing your story, I, I, I figure will resonate with others. And if they're not doing, they're saying, you know, I want to be her. I want to be like her. Uh, I can feel myself wanting to get that kind of energy. Go and do it today. Don't not tomorrow, not next year. Go turn on YouTube. Go find now a salsa video. Go call up an instructor <laughs> next week. Message Jess. Say, hey, love what you're doing. Help me and make yourself a better person. So thank you for the inspiration there, Jess. Thanks, Jay. Oh my God, so kind of you. Yeah, and I actually have a friend who started a platform um, to be able to host a number of different classes. It's called Second Skin. So uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to share the contact. And if you just want to get started online, I taught a few classes there as well, so you can catch them there. And uh, yeah, just get started. It's, it's really, really a beautiful thing. Thank you, thank you. And believe it or not, uh our time has come it's amazing how quickly an hour just flies by as again when, when i'm picking somebody that i want to speak with uh especially if i know the person and we have really great convos and i think myself we share so much great energy between us let's bring this energy out to the world and that's what i feel we've done today so just thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today to uh, coming on board to the chosen life podcast sharing your story bringing style culture to the masses and uh, thank you for spreading positivity. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for having me. I honestly feel really honored when I got your email. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I would love to do it. So thanks for uh, you know putting this together. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the guests that you have. I know you yourself are a very versatile person. So I can only imagine the types of guests that you're going to have. So I'm excited for it. And congrats on getting this started. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is actually episode three that is being taped. Um, so by the time it gets launched, it's amazing uh, the amount of work that goes into production behind the scenes of this, from brainstorming the idea of it coming to be, then creating the storyboard of it, and then actually executing it. And when it's funny because like when, when, uh, when we're planning to uh, have an episode come together, so like today we're shooting, I have the same routine every time I'm going to shoot a podcast. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to do my yoga and stretching. I take a shower. I eat a certain type of food. And by the time when I went to sleep at night to the time I woke up in the morning, I, I was checking out your, your, your social media handles. I'm marinating on the whole thing. I'm picturing us talking. And as I'm, and then it's just a flow going into it. I, that all I'm doing is living in the moment and I'm in that particular zone. And because like you're saying, like I, I, I suffer from anxiety. It's something I've dealt with my whole life. And it's usually a thing, I, it's in the morning I wake up, it's because I'm dehydrated and I'm worried about so many things. So I've learned the tricks as far as like planning my night before, waking up so I don't feel as much to do, scheduling less, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But it's like, you know, me 10 years ago would be sitting here talking to you and worrying about three episodes from now already. And how am I gonna do this? And how am I gonna do that? And what about that video, you know? cannot think about that because you're not giving the person the attention that they deserve. If you're going to be living in the moment and you're going to really engage with somebody, you have to give them 100%. You can't worry. And it's not that you're doing it because you're trying to hurt them. You can't help anxiety. Anxiety is within you. You know, there's anxiety, there's depression, you know, different states of mind. And it's amazing how anxiety, you know, it can just cripple you. 
and you're really not giving yourself that energy. You're not giving others the energy. And, and then you, you just feel like you're spinning your wheels. Whereas, you know, me 10 years ago, when I'm speaking like this, I would have this level of guilt saying, I could be doing 10 other things. I'm not doing it. Oh my God, I'm so behind now. What am I going to do? Whereas now I'm like, those things are all checkmarked. There's a to-do list. She's getting 100% of my attention. The viewers are getting 100% of my attention. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the right way or I'm not doing it all. And, and it's, it's a lifelong process. And that's why that book that you showed really, uh, it spoke to me on a personal note, because um, I think everybody to some degree deals with anxiety and or depression, you know, and it's something that it can really hold you back. And it, it doesn't allow you to be happy in life. It doesn't allow you to be the best you that you can be. And it's funny how there's so many other factors in life that can hurt you or limit you. But our biggest hindrance is ourselves. And if we can allow ourselves to be happy and allow us to be the best that we can be, it's amazing how we can fly off to other levels. And this is really a big thing in, uh, as far as living the chosen life and the chosen life podcast is bringing people on that spread positivity, come from all sorts of walks of life and can bring a message. And it may not resonate with everyone, but it brings those different things. So people would say, oh, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. And it's amazing how all of us can come from different education and different careers and different points in life. Yet we're all heading in the same direction. It's just hearing it from a different message. So I appreciate you saying that and thank you. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of people lined up. We're booking into the next two months now. So it's, uh, it's amazing how something starts. It can go just like fire, but it's also based on the energy one puts out. What you put out is what, what you get in at the end of the day. So thank you. And uh, we have your word that you'll be back with us. I'll be back, definitely. <laughs> Excellent. So on that note, just thank you again for, uh, for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, uh, make sure you lift up your arm, please, like this. Me? Yeah. Oh. Keep living <laughs> the chosen Keep life. Keep living the chosen life. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> wait a minute are we still running well i know you already hit the subscribe button the like button to say how much you love this episode and the notification bell so you're notified of all our future episodes but you still feel like you want more well when you're ready to contact the chosen lawyers at corman's llp we are here to help you whether you're looking to close a real estate transaction, a refinance, a corporate commercial matter like a lease, a shareholder agreement, an incorporation, you need a will or power of attorney prepared, a family law matter comes up, contact the chosen lawyers. We are here for you. So how do you get in touch with us? It's really simple. You go onto our website, go to cormans.ca, that's K-O-R-M-A-N-S.ca, Fill out the contact form and a chosen lawyer will get in touch with you. So it's very easy. We look forward to seeing you very soon. And thank you very much for watching The Chosen Life. We'll see you back very shortly.